The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Each business is unique and operated individually of others in the same industry. What they have in common is the potential path to success. Welcome to The Second Stage with your hosts, Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. In today's program, we'll address the obstacles that many businesses find on that path to success and discuss what entrepreneurs and their businesses are doing to stay ahead of the curve. Now, here is Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. Welcome, everybody, to The Second Stage. It's Brendan Anderson and Jeff Cadlick back again. Jeff, how are you doing so far today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Another sunny day here in Cleveland, Ohio. Every day I, uh, is a sunny day. Every day is a sunny yeah. day in Cleveland. Yeah, that's that's a rare treat. Uh, and we're it, it lightens everybody's mood here. I can really tell you, as, as you know, we have a very glassy office. Lots of glass. <laughs> Lots of glass. And it just shines. And, it shines right through. You know. As our intern last week found out, and as you ran into yeah. our glass door, poor guy, we actually, um, we actually had a mold made of the indentation in the uh, in the glass. It was that hard. But anyways, I apologize. So, do you have any comments on last week's show with uh, our guest Stephen Jerzevitz of FNB Capital Partners on the story of mezzanine funding as an alternative source of capital for businesses and its benefits? I, I, th- I thought it was a great introduction to mezzanine capital for entrepreneurs and you know for people that would you know that are looking to to stretch the balance sheet a little bit. They got good cash flow and uh, you know and have a have a good story, good management team. I think it's a it's something that they should take a strong look at. What was your take, Jeff? I, I agree. As as I said at the end of the other show, I think it's the one of the least understood financing products out there that is probably the most flexible. It's in relation to the senior debt or the bank debt, as we say, and the, and the equity. So it can hug it can hug the senior debt in terms of its rights and uh, uh, responsibilities, and it can hug the equity uh, in terms of its rights and responsibilities and cost. So um, I thought the show was good. I thought he was a good interview. I thought he quickly articulated the positives and negatives in the situations and when you want to use it and when you want when you don't want to use it so that was good and I would encourage anybody out there that, that you know that has a question about mezzanine or a question you know either to reach out to uh, Stephen or, or reach out to us I mean we're happy to uh, there are you know we, we think very highly of the FNB group but uh, but we're also you know we think that there's there are other great uh, lenders out there and we're happy to you know kind of uh, talk it through with people so Reach out to us. We're happy to uh, to uh, to talk to him. Yeah, and and what Stephen said, and we we would agree, is that you start with the bank debt, and then because it's the cheapest cost of capital, and then you kind of work your way down from there. 
John and Kathleen. Yeah, but, I, but I also think that you know a big part of it is where do you want to take the business? I mean, sometimes you know, people lever up the balance sheet to just buy out a partner and are happy kind of keeping it running flat for a while. And as you know, that's not what we do here at Evolution. So we want to make sure that there's more more than enough working capital, more than enough cash to implement the plan and have a have a reserve and quite frankly take advantage of things that are coming down the pike that uh, you know that you don't know about when you do the deal. So. Um, it really depends on what your goals are and, and plans for the future before you, you know, knowing those things is, is paramount in, in deciding how to capitalize your business. Right. I know right. that sounds, I know, I know that sounds obvious, Jeff, but I know, you know, that I know that all <laughs> entrepreneurs out there don't think that's that all. The lion's share of entrepreneurs don't think that stuff through because it's, uh, you know, they just, they think they're super, super men or super women and, uh, and can tackle anything that's thrown at them. And it's, uh. As we get older, Jeff, it gets tougher. I don't know if you've noticed that. It, or not. it does. It, everything's tougher. Everything yeah. is tougher, uh, and that's what experience makes you allows you to cut corners, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see that one coming, but sure. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Very nice. Very nice. So uh, our show this week uh, is the six qualities of a small giant, and our guest is Bo Burlingham, the author of many books. Uh, and he's kind of the founder of the Small Giants community, which can be found at www.smallgiants.org. And we'll talk a little bit more about his um, his bio in a second. But I didn't know if you had any articles that you want to discuss this week, uh, Brendan, because we're always out there reading up on what other people are writing about and talking about and all that other sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I think I think that there there is a community out there that actually is called Small Giants. It's uh, currently you know run, uh, kind of led by a, a guy Glenn Burr uh, who calls himself the first officer of Mojo. And I know Jeff, you were vying for that title, but I wouldn't you know we we couldn't agree <laughs> that you get it. Um, and and I and I would just I would encourage you to uh, to look up uh, Glenn and his group. And you know so um, I, I think I think. Um, you know they're doing a lot of work on kind of the value of of Mojo. We'll call it return on values. Actually, I guess they call it return on values. And it's you know really what's the actual return you know economic return or, or you know kind of social return on um, on the investment in in you know kind of building this team. You know, and, and they uh, the, one of the articles that uh, Barbara, as she always does, Jeff finds us a great article to discuss and. It was a, a blog that Glenn wrote, uh, "Love and Leadership on the Battlefield," and um, it's just you know about you know different ways to lead and and, and quite frankly inspire inspire your you know, the, the people that are working with you and so forth. And this particular one is um, about a uh, lieutenant colonel that uh, you know had uh, uh, people in Afghanistan and had uh, you know had you know uh, actually used the words uh, you know love and so forth as he motivated his troops and that's a you know a, not an environment in which you would expect those words to be thrown around so you know i i, I encourage people to look up uh, i assume it's smallgiants.org jeff how come you didn't uh, make me look that up i got up my co- i got my small giants coffee cup but it's without it's out of reach yeah, so anyway, it is smallgiants.org See, I know these things without it. So I encourage people to look that up, and it's a great organization with uh, with you know that, that are really really focused on this. I use the word con- conscious capital stuff. So, and we're going to learn a lot. I will tell you about Bo Burlingham. Is this guy is one serious, passionate guy about small business? I mean, we could pick, we could have picked a thousand different topics that he would just kill. You know, be wonderful on. And uh, but I think that this is a this, this is a great starter. You know, he is. Um, uh, I just finished his uh, his book. Um, 
uh, Street Smarts. Uh, he and uh, Norm Brodsky. Uh, he wrote he wrote about Norm Brodsky's kind of life and kind of you know, things he learned. And again, this is uh, this is somebody that has uh, really dedicated. Uh, his life to um, kind of studying, writing about, and and doing whatever he can to help these uh, you know kind of our our world, these second stage businesses that want to you know become you know make a big impact on on the world and the lives in which the people they that they work with. Oh. So yeah, I know he he's a whirlwind and he's got you wound up already. You're getting wound up for yeah. the conversation, but let me let me tell you about Bo Burlingham. He is the author of Small Giants: uh, Companies That Choose to Be Great Instead of Big. It came out in 2006, and he's also editor-at-large of Inc. Magazine. Bo joined Inc. in January of 1983 as a senior editor and became an executive editor six months later, a position he held for the next seven years or so. In 1990, he became editor-at-large for a number of reasons, including his desire to go back to writing. He subsequently wrote two books with Jack Stack, the co-founder and CEO of Springfield Remanufacturing Corp., or SRC as we call it, and the pioneer of open book management. One of the books, The Great Game of Business, has sold more than 300,000 copies, and the other, A Stake in the Outcome, has also done pretty well and gotten great reviews. Before joining Inc., Bo freelanced for various publications, including Esquire, Harper's, Boston Magazine, and Mother Jones. Bo was also managing editor of Ramparts Magazine. In 1982, he joined Fidelity Investments. Kind of a circuitous little uh, background here, but he wrote for the great Peter Lynch and Ned Johnson, who is a founder of Fidelity and other honchos until coming to Inc. from uh, 92 to 97. Uh, He served on the board of The Body Shop. Uh, a U.S. subsidiary of an international cosmetics company. is also the founder uh, uh, with P- Tom Peters of Pacworld, a weird international networking group that gave him a chance to meet a lot of zany and brilliant people from around the globe. So, yep. and he's he's, he's zany, you say, and he's zany and brilliant. He is zany and brilliant. It is fun to fun to hang out with him. So, um, with that, uh, I. Always need to do my duty here in thanking. It's honor. It's not a duty, Brendan. It's an honor. I, an I honor. shouldn't have said that. Uh, to thank our sponsors, uh, McGladrie LLP. They're the leading provider of assurance tax and consulting services focused on small and mid-sized businesses nationwide with more than 6,700 people in 75 U.S. cities. I want to remind everyone that each week we want to provide actionable advice and have you continue the dialogue through comments and questions on our blog at evolutioncp.com. We want to hear what works and what doesn't. We want to create a true community of entrepreneurs helping entrepreneurs. So you can also email us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com. And with that, Brennan... We are going to take a break, and we're going to dive into our uh, conversation with Bo Burlingham here on the second stage. Any any final comments? In this no, I'm. Gonna, I say we. I say we get to Bo. Let's let's get Bo on the uh, on the line. Let's get him. Let's, uh, let's get, get, get a roll on here. Talk about small business. That's right. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the second stage. We'll be back in just a brief moment with our guest, Bo Burlingham, author of Small Giants. Thanks for tuning in to the second stage. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. 
It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance Tax Consulting. The way we do banking today continues to evolve. No longer is it just brick and mortar locations or traditional bankers hours. Today, banking is 24-7. It's in the home. It's on the go. It's digital. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how traditional banking as we know it has changed due to a loss of trust, changing economic conditions and consumer behavior, government involvement, and of course, technology. What does it all mean? Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be, or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. This is Jeff Cadlick, and I'm here with my partner, Brendan Anderson. Like any forum, this show will be more effective and powerful if folks contribute their experiences and ideas. We invite you to continue the discussion from each week's show on our blog, which can be found at evolutioncp.com. And you can email us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com. We're here with our guest, Bo Burlingham, author of Small Giants. Uh, stake in the game, the great game of business, and his newest release, which we'll talk about, the Finnish Big Book. Um, and he is uh, a founder of the Small Giants community, which can be found at www.smallgiants.org. Thanks for coming on the show, Bo. Oh, it's my pleasure, Jeff. I think we've missed about three or four books too, because I, I mean, I you know, uh, I I finished Street Smarts uh, literally like last week, and uh, a book that uh, Bo and uh, Norm Brodsky kind of uh, wrote together, and um, or I guess Bo wrote and and uh, about Norm and his experiences and so forth. So, uh, Bo, how many how many books do we miss? You didn't miss any. I mean, uh, uh, I'm I'm actually a very slow writer. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I've been doing this a while, but uh, it takes me a while to turn them out. <laughs> well, hey, Bo, I, I know uh, I know I promised you that uh, that we would talk about the six characteristics of, of business mojo, and I'm going to throw you a little curveball. Uh, one of my favorite stories, and if you're willing to tell it, if not, that's fine. I'll I'll tell it anyways about uh, your background and how you kind of you know kind of originally started you know kind of understanding small businesses and and you know kind of your 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 respect and, and love for them. I don't know how far back you want to go. Um, <laughs> if you go all the way back, I was a, uh, a wild-eyed radical in my youth. Um, and uh, actually, my introduction... That's, that's where I wanted to go, Bo. That's where I wanted to go. So perfect. 
Okay, well, that was me. I basically thought uh, business was the root of all evil. Um, and, uh, of course, that was the 1960s, and that was sort of the thing to do back then. Uh, um, and I really, uh, you know, really my education in business began when uh, I'd been a general interest magazine writer uh, and, you know, and, 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 ba- and mostly freelance. Well, writing freelance is either feast or famine, mostly famine. Um, and in 1982, um, when probably most of your listeners weren't even born, uh, the, uh, I, you know, I, I was married, I had two kids, and uh, I needed to get a real job. And uh, I was recruited by Fidelity uh, to to go and write for them, and I I told them I said, look, I don't know the difference between a stock and a bond, and they <laughs> said, oh, it doesn't matter, we can teach you that, uh, we just want somebody who can write. So I went to Fidelity at a extraordinarily interesting time in its history. They were going from being a boutique firm, basically a small giant, to being a very large company. Uh, the company they are today. And it was in 1982, and uh, you may uh, recall that 1982 was the year when the stock market turned around. Uh, It got down to something like, (laughs) the Dow Jones got down to something like 700-something. Wow. And then in the middle of the year, I was was writing the uh, reports for, uh, the the portfolio manager that turned around and you know it's pretty much just kept on going until then, till now, um, and then I was I, I was recruited out of Fidelity to go work at Inc. Magazine and I've been there ever since. Well, I think what's so neat is you know I, I think the 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 focus or niche that that you have. Um, that really kind of I don't say fallen into or fallen in love with or whatever, which is which are these small giants, these businesses that, um, that you know we're going to have these six characteristics and maybe just before we get into the six characteristics, talk about you know why why is it that you've spent so much of your life focused on these businesses? Well, um, when I got to uh, Inc, th- that was that was the beginning. Well, after Fidelity, I had a, sort of an introduction, and then at Inc, I. Uh, I just I began to become aware of entrepreneurs. I mean, you know, back then it wasn't necessarily a compliment to call somebody an entrepreneur. Uh, they, were, they were sort of considered to be these sort of wild, crazy people. But the image of them began to change. I think Inc. had something to do with that. Um, frankly, Ronald Reagan had a lot to do with it. But mainly... You know, it was the entrepreneurs themselves, and it was just a very exciting time. The early the 1980s was just a ex- very exciting time. It was the birth of the uh, entrepreneurial economy. And if you spent any time around entrepreneurs uh, or around great small businesses that then become second-stage businesses, um, you know how exciting it is to be around those people. Uh, and to be around those companies. And I just, I, I fell in love with that. And what I found was that that a lot of these companies were extremely innovative in the way that they managed themselves, 
In fact, most of the great innovations that were happening in management weren't coming out of business schools. They weren't coming out of consulting firms. They were coming out of people in these companies trying new things. And that's really how I got involved with Jack Stack, uh, The Body Shop, uh, and, you know, all the other companies, really. That um, and, and then ultimately uh, it, it led to Small Giants, which uh, – came out in January of 2006, but really I'd, by that point I'd spent about 20 years preparing to write it. Well, as you know, and and uh, and you know, sitting drinking whiskey a couple re- weeks ago, uh, you know, I, you know, we, you know, we, we you and I and Jeff and Evolution and, and your uh, small giants community really share that belief that that these uh, these characteristics really do drive, uh, you know, that they can drive that that's that sort of growth and in life-changing events that um you know for the employees and families and communities in which these businesses operate and you know you know it it's it's uh you know although uh you know one of the one of the characteristics is profit it really does become much more exciting than you know the I mean, the businesses becomes much bigger than that i mean profit's a given but it's uh it becomes bigger than that so maybe let's let's jump into it uh jeff i realize i've taken up half the time just talking about my agenda but uh, i know you're not surprised by that so anyways you know uh, you know uh, you know, I'll go down the list, Bo. But also, you know, as you, you know, I realize you've been, you and 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 uh, Glenn and and the people, in the people we've been working with, have been looking at this for a long time. And so, you know, you know, as we go down the list of the of the six characteristics, you know, maybe even share, you know, kind of, you know, how these the list came together and why these are important, whatever. But number one is leadership, um, and 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 I find it very interesting because you know the way the the you know, kind of tagline is leaders who who know who you know who they are and what they want out of business and why. And God, you would just think that that maybe how did that come to pass? Well, Why is that? it was uh, you know I was it, it, basically a small giants. The book that I wrote, um, you know, focused on companies that had done something that at the time was very in, unconventional. In other words, they'd been very successful second stage companies uh, who had the opportunity to grow very fast and get very big. And everyone was telling them that they were crazy if they didn't do that. But they said, no, we want to do something else because it's not that we don't want to grow or that we don't want, you know, they did want to grow, but they, but they had other goals that they considered more important. Uh, and the fact is, is that you, back then at any rate, and I think it's even true now, you can't really make the decision to go against what everybody is telling you what you should be doing, um, and say, no, I don't want to do that. I mean, there are a a number of cases in the book. Cliff Bar is one of them. Zingerman's is another. I mean, uh, Anchor Brewing, um, you know, these were all companies that, you know, uh, Gary Erickson of Cliff Bar, he was on the verge of selling his company for Cliff Bar for $120 million. And so last minute he said, no, this isn't what I want to do. And everybody told him he was going to go out of business um, because uh, of his, the competition had been bought by Kraft and Nestle. And in fact, the company has thrived. It's grown like 500% since then. And so, but you, you can't make that kind of decision. If you yeah. don't know who you are, what you want, and why. 
And and I got to tell you, you know, it's it's an amazing, and I'll get on to the next one. But and I just think about what EO has done for you know for me, and 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 what uh, you know some you know the, some of the uh, you know the, the the processes that we you know the evolutionary process or the processes that we ask these business to go through, which is really focused on you know really you know making sure the leaders want to transition the business and, and, and in many, probably, you know, 90 some percent of the time they ultimately decide or, or, you know, or 90% of the businesses decide that they shouldn't, you know, that they, they're really happy doing what they're doing, you know, every day. And that's a, uh, and that's a very important piece that number, Number two is the community, uh, deep rooted communities in which they do business. Maybe talk about talk about that a little. How did that How did that make the list? Well, that, that um, what I found with the companies that I looked at, um, uh, you know, that had made this decision uh, that they wanted to be great rather than big. Uh, what one of the one of their characteristics that they had in common was that they had these very close relationships with the communities in which they do, did business. And it wasn't just that they gave back a lot to those communities, although they all did. Um, they also, it was like the personalities of the business uh, was shaped by the community. I mean, you take a company like Anchor Brewing, um, it was the first of the craft brewers, uh, it really started the whole craft brewing revolution, there are plenty of great craft brewers today all over the country. But, you know, Anchor Brewing is a San Francisco institution. Uh, mm-hmm. It's part of the history of San Francisco. You really can't imagine it. You can have a great uh, craft brewer in, you know, in Kansas or Minnesota or wherever, but it won't be like But Anchor Brewing. It's going to be different from Anchor Brewing, and it's going to have its own qualities, and that. You know, that I found with all these companies that I looked at, which, which was, you know, um, they really reflect, they, they, they have this very intimate relationship with the community in, in which they're located. And, you know, it gets you thinking about how, um, you know, so many uh, cities and, and, and places around the country, really what, what the, the, it was the businesses that built those you know that built those communities, um, yeah. and 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 played a huge role in the strength of those communities. You know, pretty closely tied to that is number three, which is maintain close personal ties with 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 customers and suppliers. I mean, God, that's a you know maybe talk about how again how that made the list. I well, th- that was the case uh, uh, again. Um, you know, I think of what Herb Kelleher says about. Uh, Southwest Airlines, you know, whenever he's asked why uh, Southwest Airlines was so successful, he says, well, that's easy. It, it was our culture, which allowed us to do everything that else that we were able to do and, and to be as flexible and as, uh, you know, to keep our costs down so that we were able to charge these lower fares and so forth. Um, and when people ask him, well, what's, what's the secret of your culture? He said, "It's we treat people in the, we, we, we deal with employees we, uh, in the totality of their lives. In other words, not just as um, employees, but also as human beings. Um, and that also carries over to the customer relationships as well. Um, you know, that, that basically they go out of, these companies go out of their way uh, 
to um, really develop personal uh, links to their customers and their suppliers. And that was what really struck me was it wasn't just that they gave good customer service. You look at Danny Meyer in New York at Union Square Hospitality Group. You know his two top rest, his two first restaurants, Union Square Cafe and um, Gramercy Tavern, have been rated for the last I don't know fifteen twenty years as the number one and two most uh, most popular restaurants in New York. And it has to do with something which he calls enlightened hospitality. And it, it goes beyond customer service. Customer service, he says, are technical skills uh, that you can teach people. Hospitality is you want people to feel that when they enter your restaurant, in his case, they feel as though they're in the home of somebody they don't know very well but who is really happy to see them. Um, and that's that's the secret of of uh you know Danny's uh whole restaurant which is uh, restaurant group which is incredibly successful probably he's probably one of the leading restaurateurs in in the country Hey, Bo, this is Jeff. I, I, I think this is great, but I, I think we do need to take a quick break and then we can get back to the next uh, three of the six characteristics of a small giant. And um, uh, we're going to take a quick break here on the second stage. Thanks for tuning in. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of a team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance Tax Consulting. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. 
Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. This is our show, but it is a forum, so we're looking for input from you so we can benefit from everyone's experience. You can reach us at, uh, by email at the second stage at evolutioncp.com or blog on our website at evolutioncp.com. We're back with our guest, Bo Burlingham, author of many books, including Small Giants, um, uh, <laughs> Stake in the Outcome, The Great Game of Business, Street Smarts, and we're going to learn about another book towards the end of this segment. And he is also the founder of Small Giants Community, which can be found at www.smallgiants.org. Bo, we uh, we talked briefly, kind of about the relationships and culture, and I know that you know we we that word culture is such a big word, um, and uh, and we we've talked about it a lot on this show, and, and I do want to get back to it, but um, your your fifth one, your fifth point is is passion, and um, you know leaders have a burning passion for what the company does. And uh, talk about that for a second. I mean, it seems like that should be so obvious. And maybe talk about you know why that seems to be a unique thing. Or maybe maybe I view it as unique. Maybe maybe you don't. But well, talk about how it's. It, Go ahead. No, that, you're you're absolutely right. It is it it the, the when I when I say passion, I mean the passion that the leaders have for what their companies do. In other words, uh, you know, you have Fritz Maytag. Uh, who was the owner of Anchor Brewing and the guy who was the pioneer with all of this. And when he took over Anchor Brewing, he, he, he knew nothing about beer making. He, it, was, it, was, it was this failing company and he, that he liked, and he liked the beer they made, and so he, it was going out of business, and so he bought it. Um, well, you know, he became an absolute um, zealot when it came to beer making. And if you would talk to him, he'd, he'd carry on about, you know, the how hops totally uh, transformed the industry or how refrigeration, uh, the effect of refrigeration, or he'd talk about how actually the democracy in northern uh, Europe was, uh, you, know, you know, was found in the breweries because people would gather there and and talk about politics. So he, he just became, and I found that with everybody uh, that you, you know, Norm Brodsky, who I, I wrote a book with, Street Smarts. Um, you know, he had a uh, um, a record storage business. Well, basically, record storage consists of putting boxes on shelves and taking boxes off shelves. And you ask yourself, well. How can you get passionate about a business like that? But Norm was totally passionate about it. He said, you know, he loved boxes, and he said he liked nothing better than to walk into his warehouses and smell the cardboard. And in fact, <laughs> and in fact, when you talk to him, he was he was passionate about, you know, providing great service to his customers. He was passionate about creating a great workplace for his employees. He was passionate about uh, being a great citizen of his community in Brooklyn. Um, and, you know, he, he was passionate about having a great life, and he did create a great life for himself. Well, and as you know, you can't fake that. And, uh, and I, you know, as, as we travel around and meet entrepreneurs, that you, know, you can, you, you sure can tell the people that, 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 that are passionate about their business and especially over a sustained period of time, it, it does, it does change things. And, you know, I, I just, uh, 
Jeff and I have the privilege of working with a guy named Bud Bryan out of Detroit, and you, you just see a guy that's passionate about what he's doing. It, it, it changes everything, and you know, in their employees' views, employees' communities, and so forth. Views. Now, the last one, Bo, as I said during the break, and you and I've talked about many, many times, is one that is it, it's the word profit. And, um, you know, it has a sound business model and takes care to protect its gross margins. I got to tell you, as I travel this country and I talk to entrepreneurs, I, you know, I can talk to a lot of people that are money focused and making money and some of them are pretty successful. And, you know, and, and, and I talk to some, some people that have got this, these wonderful cultures and then I get down and they, they, it's wonderful. You can feel everybody having a great time and, and, and feeling passionate about something. And then you ask for the financial statements and they're losing money. I mean, I, I, it's yeah. a, so I love number six. Talk talk to me about number six. Well, actually, um, I have to confess that uh, this was one that I really came up with after I wrote the book. Um, it was a sad story. I had um, one of the companies in the book, a great company that it uh, uh, it was a, it was a, a company that um, had. It was called Real Manufacturing, and it's located out in St. Paul or outside St. Paul, uh, Minnesota. And it it was a company that pioneered, um, you know, the hinges on, believe it or not, on laptop computers. So that, you you know, when you open a laptop computer, the top doesn't fall right down. That's because of something called a constant torque hinge, and, and, and they were the leaders in it. And they'd been... You know, they'd been in business for 30 years. They had an absolutely fantastic culture. It was probably the most democratically run uh, company that I'd ever encountered. Um, and then right after the book came out, I uh, got I, I found out that it was in deep, serious trouble, um, that uh, it had two CEOs at the time, and one had retired and the other was fired and, and was suing the company. That didn't sound like mojo to me. Um, and, it, you know, it was a big mess. The morale was terrible. And I said, gee, I must have missed something, and I, I, I need to find out what it was. And so I went back. I wrote a story for Inc. Magazine about it. Uh, it's called... If, if people want to look it up, it's called Paradise Lost. But you better write Bo Burlingham next to it, because otherwise you'll, uh, you know, you'll get Milton. Um, and uh, what I found was that this was a company that had lost control of its gross margins. Basically, what had happened was when manufacturing of laptops had moved to Asia, it had found itself in a highly, highly competitive market, much more competitive than anything it had met before. And, you know, there was constant pressure to lower its prices. And they made the fateful and, frankly, almost always a terrible decision that they were going to compete on price and make it up on volume. Well... By the time I visited them, uh, they were selling more laptop hinges than ever before, and they were losing money on every single one of them. Uh, This great culture had been destroyed in the space of about two or three months. Um, And, you know, it it, it was going to take years and years to get it back and to get things, uh, get the ship uh, righted again. And um, it made me realize that when I look back, even though I'd, 
I'd made a point when selecting the company, I was going to write about that they'd been profitable. Just being profitable um, isn't enough for a long period of time. You have to, there are actually three things. One is that you have to have a sound business model, uh, meaning a company, a model that allows you to be profitable at whatever volume of sales you're doing or you're going to do. Number two, you have to have a healthy balance sheet um, that, you, you know, if, it's amazing a lot of people who run small companies aren't even aware of their balance sheet, and they load up on debt, and they aren't even aware of the danger that they're getting into. And the third thing is that you have to protect your gross margins because your gross margins, it's, it's, it's the gross profit that allows you to do all the other things that, that, that allow you to be a small giant. Um, so, you know, that's, that's where that came from. I got to tell you, Bo, when you're going through your list, and, and, and as you know, Jeff and I just, and the whole evolution team, we, you know, our, our passion is small businesses, but y- you wouldn't believe how often we get when we have a projection that doesn't include a balance sheet. I mean, it, it's, I mean, we're literally, the entrepreneur says, here's my projection. And we're like, well, a projection is no good without a balance sheet. And, right. um, it, 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 I mean, it, it happens. I mean, I, I wish I knew the percentage, but it's Jeff, um, maybe a close to a hundred percent. I do not a hundred, but you know, but it is, it's, it's, you know, literally, and I'll say, well, put about, you know, can you, can you help me put a, could you put a balance sheet together? And the entrepreneur's like, no, you know, I don't even know where to start with that. I mean, people can understand that you know, I build this and I collected this and I, you know, made this, you know, but it's, it is stunning. And, and the gross margins, uh, you know, quite frankly, we find in the smaller businesses, sub $5 million, um, most of them don't even know the gross profit margins. Jeff and I, when we first started Evolution, we would argue over whether we needed to, you know, look at a company with good gross profit margins or good bottom line. And we eventually concluded that we had to go to the bottom line because nobody knew their gross profit margin. You know, you know one company was you know, di- didn't include anything. You know, I uh, so it was you know it, it's it's very interesting, very interesting. Well, and, and, you know, it's certainly true that small businesses, uh, you know, people start uh, businesses because they're passionate about something, and that's wonderful. And if they're really passionate, they create a great company that's got mojo. But uh, it's only going to last. If you have, you know, these, um, you know, the right uh, financial makeup, and most small businesses, uh, people who start small businesses, uh, it's not only that they don't aren't sophisticated about finances; they don't want to know it. They want somebody else to do it for them, and that's never going to work. I Um, I couldn't agree more. It's for getting in trouble. You have to, um, you know, that's that's why what Jack Stack has done with the great game of business is so impressive because he's he's basically got a whole workforce now of a thousand people who are constantly being educated in the financials. You've got people who are welders on a shop floor. They can tell you what the balance sheet is, and they know what a balance sheet and a cash flow statement and, a, and an income statement are. All right, Bo. I we uh, I'm, we've been uh, talking or hearing about your book uh, "Finish Big" for a little while now, as you know. We've uh, you and I've been uh, had had some had some scotches and. Uh, 
and uh, bourbons, and, uh, and I, I've been dying to. I can't wait and, to. And can't everything wait to in read. between, I'm sure. And everything in between, yeah. But that, that, but I just figured I'd talk about what we ended with because it is about the the finish big part, Jeff. But uh, got it. no, it, I got you. I'm just kidding. Um, you know, this is. I'd love to know. You know, what, what's the what's what's these the subject of the book, and and when why and why did you think of it? And because I think it's I think it's going to be wonderful. We're very excited about it. Well, it's uh, it actually is something that um, when I uh, began writing it, um, I had no idea how little I knew about exiting a business. Um, and in that, I think uh, it's very common. I mean, I, even though I've been at Inc. for, you know, 25 years, uh, we hardly ever wrote about exiting business. And in fact, if you look at the literature that's out there on business exits is very thin. Um, and it's basically all about how to get the most money for your business, which, you know, that's fine. Uh, I'm all in favor of people getting as much money as possible for their business. But the real question is, are you going to be happy when you're done? And the, the emotional issues, it turns out, uh, that are associated with this are much, much greater and, and much harder to deal with than the financial issues. And um, that's what I discovered when I began working on this. You know, uh, one of the things that happened with small giants was I'd go around and I'd give talks and people would ask me, well, what happens when these great leaders leave their companies? What happens to the companies? And the fact is, is that only one or two of the leaders I'd interviewed had even given it much thought. Uh, and so one of the questions that I confronted when I started the book was, okay, that's, the, you know, that's a great question. What's going to happen to the companies afterwards? Uh, and um, so, you know, I began, I got into this, and one of the things I realized uh, early on was that I needed to um, – talk to uh, people who'd been through it and educate myself about it, I wound up talking to, interviewing a, a lot of people, more than 100. And what I discovered was that at the end of the day, some of them who had left their businesses were happy and some of them weren't. And so the question I had was, well, what had the ones who were happy done that the ones who weren't happy, who were in fact miserable, who regretted ever selling their businesses, what hadn't they done? And I came up with uh, basically eight, eight things that, the, uh, that you need to do in order to finish big, and by that I mean finish happy. Um, and that's what the book's about. So, Bo, if if if, uh, if we can get you when, as soon as the book's out, are you, are you, will you come back on and, uh, oh, and go over the day things with yeah. us? Yeah, for sure. It's a very big subject. Uh, it's taken me a long time to write, um, but uh, it's also a fascinating subject, and frankly, one that people wait too long. I mean, particularly if you want to build a company that's going to last beyond you and remain a great company that's going to last beyond you, you really have to start early. Um, and I explain why in the book. But, you know, frankly, 
the, the earlier you start working on on this, uh, you know, the, the more likely it is that you're going to have a happy exit. So I'd be really, you know, and the other thing that people don't understand is that everybody exits their business. <laughs> you know, you right. may exit feet first, but you are going to leave. Um, and so it's something you really have to prepare for. I'd be delighted to come on, guys. That's well, great. we look forward to it, and, that, and that's that's an important subject and near and dear to Evolution's heart as we talk to entrepreneurs about partnering with, with Evolution. But we have actually gone over our time, Bo, so no. we have to stop right there. Yes, we did. Yeah. Yes, we did. Uh, but we thank you for being on the second stage, Bo, and we look forward to having you back on to talk about Finish Big. Okay, great. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for tuning in to the second stage. We'll be back after this uh, short break to talk about our concluding thoughts. Okay, great. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of, a team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance Tax Consulting. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. This is Jeff Cadlick, and I'm here with my partner, Brendan Anderson. We just concluded a conversation with Bo Burlingham, uh, founder of Small Giants Community, www.smallgiants.org, and author of a number of books, including uh, Small Giants, A Stake in the Outcome, The Great Game of Business, Street Smarts, and uh, soon-to-be-released Finish Big. Brennan, uh, you you and Bo spent a lot of time together, and apparently a lot of time drinking. Uh, and we'll have to oh, talk don't, about don't that. Don't go! Don't go blaming that just on me, Cadillac. I know you've been tagging along with us per- periodically, but uh, I will say he's a wonderful, uh, fun guy to hang out with if you enjoy talking about small business. And you know. Jeff, every once in a while, I break out and I talk about small business. And uh, yeah, we did at the uh, at the Inc. Roco. Uh, uh, I did uh, meet him at the bar after hours, and uh, it was uh, you know it's a 
it's it's fun conversation, and I will tell you, you can't find somebody more passionate or, or uh, about um, small businesses that uh, want to grow and impact their communities, and uh, and and I and, and I love the fact that they're working in the the profit factor because that's how you pay for those things. That's how you know that's what makes it sustainable is is the profit piece, and um, it's uh you know it, it's 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 fun to hang out with people that that, that like to discuss this stuff. You know, it is interesting, uh, and and maybe we talk about this at some point. I don't know that I have this. I'm, I'm going out of limb here because I I don't know if this is a smart comment or a dumb comment. And this is you know we're <laughs> we are on a show here, but it's interesting to me that he went from somebody in the far left in the '60s uh, that that eschewed you know business in all its forms. To come to where he is identified with the entrepreneurial movement and what is it that really got him to make that transformation and does he still eschew the corporate America uh, or does he embrace all of all of business? And I I don't know. After you may not remember after all your cocktails. Uh, no, you I know, do. Because <laughs> you know we've read the books too. So you know I, I think I think what what really gets him and, and, and it's the same thing that that you and I are striving for and every one of our portfolio partners is that is that when they make this transition, it is a it is a business that hires hundreds and hundreds. In the case of SRC, thousands and thousands of people. It's a it's a business that that because the business is is highly focused and passionate about what they do, they are actually more profitable, not less, which then generates the ability to, quite frankly, make you know a, a financial impact on lives. And as addition to, a, quite frankly, a, a place that people enjoy going to work. And look, work's not always enjoyable, but the fact of the matter is, fundamentally, it's a you know that they that they feel like that they're adding value to something. And you know that it sounds from an entrepreneurial perspective is overwhelming. And and as you and I always say, Jeff, you just got to start. You just got to start. And every day you get a little bit better and every day you get a little more focused and uh, talk about, you know, our, our life at evolution. We've been at this forever. Yeah. And, and I think we do love that same thing. I actually just wrote an article for uh, Smart Business Online and the article was really about that Brookings Institute thing that we talked about here, uh, you know, several weeks ago. It came out in May about the fact that entrepreneurship is at a 30-year low here in the United States. And you talk about economic dynamism, if that's the word, if it said that correctly. But Bar- it, but Barbara, it's, Barbara, look that one up, will you? <laughs> but essentially the point is, is that successful business – look, businesses are started and sometimes they succeed and sometimes they fail. But the ones that succeed hire far more people – than those that were lost to the businesses that failed. And that's the beauty of entrepreneurship. And the fact that we're at a 30-year low is, I think, a, a huge reason that we're kind of stumbling along here economically, uh, that we need to find ways to promote entrepreneurship and get people willing to make the commitment and take the risk of being uh, an entrepreneur. Because it's, as we see every day, it's incredibly rewarding. It is. It is, and it it, it make, can make some massive impact in, uh, on lives. So, Jeff, I uh, I uh, I think I have my uh, my saying for this week. Let's hit it. I want to hear it. It's Bo knows biz. <laughs> you know, they're going off the whole Bo Jackson. I don't know why you know, I always laugh, but I always, I, I, Bo you always knows biz. Yeah, Bo I knows uh, biz. I like Bo that. Knows, I had to do some Bo knows things. So, uh, anyways, that's uh, that's that's my that's my saying, and I. 
Hey, you talk about passion for possibilities. That's a guy that just, uh, you know, I don't think he classifies himself as an entrepreneur, but man, he is, he would, uh, he, he believes in the possibilities. So that's wonderful. Right. Well, we hope you've enjoyed today's show and join us again next Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, and we'll dive into another interesting topic with another wonderful guest. Uh, have passion for possibilities this week, folks, and thanks for tuning in to the second stage. Thank you for tuning in this week to The Second Stage. Please join Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson again next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a successful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 